Before we begin, we would like to acknowledge the Cabrogal clan of the Darug Nation, who are the traditional custodians of this land we are meeting on today. We also pay our respects to the elders past, present and future of the Darug Nation. Hey friends, welcome to our podcast, A Seat at Our Table. Candid conversations about our Asian Australian experiences in the creative industry. I'm Tracy. I'm Wendy. We, we saved, saved you a seat. seat. Come, Come join us. us. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, as a part of the AAP at our table series, we've got two special guests joining us for the second part. We've got Kerry and Robin joining us here today. And um, we're going to talk about a couple of things, but primarily we're going to focus on how design and creativity is used to connect with community and how to build a brand that is both meaningful yet unique in the not-for-profit space. Welcome. Welcome. Thanks for having us. No worries. Thanks for joining us. You want to start by telling us about yourselves, um, where did you grow up, your cultural background? Yeah, so hi, I'm Carrie. I'm the marketing director of the Asian Australian Project and I am Chinese Australian, born and raised in in Chinese Australia in a a community in Sydney called Hurstville. So very, very Asian um, (laughs) community, um, but very Aussie in the up. Bring. I work across marketing at Asia Australian Project, and yeah, it's great to be here. <laughs> and I'm Robin. I'm the design director, and I'm currently doing graduate studies in creative industries with a focus on queer theory in graphic designers' research. Um, I'm the founder of uh, Offset Zine Fair, and I'm also a graphic designer with a focus on illustration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. about it. <laughs> Maybe let's dive deeper into like your roles at AAP and what you do as a part of that. So maybe we'll start off with you, Carrie. Yeah. So I guess as a marketing director, I oversee a lot of the outward forward communications for the um, not-for-profit. So anything in regards to, you know, social media, any kind of, it also kind of touches base into public relations, any outward facing things that, you know, that the audience actually sees, um, I have I do oversee and it also is just mainly so much just pushing in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, getting the message of the Asian Strain project out there to the world. Awesome. Yeah. I work um, very closely alongside Carrie and our events uh, team uh, director, uh, Tina. Basically what we do is get what carries um, communication and message out there and just format it in a way that's number one, accessible, number two, engaging which is our main two priorities. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just want to uh, present it in as nice and accessible a way as possible. Yeah. yeah. What does the team structure look like? Like how do you both work together? And is it you mainly working quite closely together? Yeah, so I guess like you probably have heard from previous conversations with Michelle and other people in our organization. I think at AAP, we do tend to be very horizontal in our format. Mm. There isn't too much of hierarchy. Um, but then as much as we do say that, we do have like certain levels in terms of management and our associates in which are basically the people that work within our separate teams and departments. And even though we do have teams and departments, say, for example, I'm in marketing and Robin is in design and we do have our events and our finance departments, I think we very much kind of work across each other in many senses. I know very much Robin and I work very, very closely <laughs> with regards <laughs> we, to a certain point, maybe oh. sometimes. <laughs> I think because personally myself, I do come from a design background as well. Mm, yeah. And then so a lot of times it's just 
to be honest, a lot of times our decision making is just myself and Robin sending us each other screenshots in the middle of the night being like, is this the right shade of orange? Yeah. <laughs> True. I mean, yeah. even though it's like it's sometimes it's almost like we actually pay attention to, to these like smallest things. It's sometimes like I guess within like the roles that we do play within the greater role of AAP, the outward facing element mm. and actually you know being able to send across a message in as Robin said in an accessible and visually accessible way actually is something that's really important to us and that's why we feel like creativity is a very large large element in what mm-hmm. we do at AAP because that's what people see sometimes you know there's often issues with regards to people being not necessarily literate in terms of textual bases so bringing in accessibility through a visual form is something that I personally and I know Robin feels very strongly with regards mm-hmm. to you know even our approach to marketing yeah yeah I yeah what she said yeah, no, I agree with everything that she said. Um, we've even currently just um, encouraging our associates to just mingle much more with each other. Yeah. So mm-hmm. our teams aren't as siloed and everything like that. We do mm-hmm. want to feel like it is a community that they're all creating something and in, um, contributing to something larger than all of us. Because like, even though I am just like, I am the design director, Every single part of my team, every member of my team has put in so much to build the body of what AAP is in terms of design. Yeah. I think it's like important to know that because you might be the brains behind what something looks like as a designer, but not necessarily like it's just you two doing the work. It's like everyone's putting their brains together to build it into what it is today, right? Um, you talked a little bit about like accessibility and I just want to know, I guess, what does accessible design look like in AAP? For me, I think because we are a not-for-profit, it's like one of the pillars of what like a not-for-profit should be. Mm-hmm. Like because we are, we want to provide resources for people. We want it to be as accessible as possible. Could this could be in terms of like, as Carrie said, being visually like literate mm-hmm. or uh, readable, legibility, the amount of languages that we use. Um, mm. We currently did post out an acknowledgement of country, which um, could definitely always be improved on as well. But we do want to just reach as many people out there with um, just educating um, and just providing that autonomy yeah. to as many people as possible who find our um, organization or to who look to us to be a, that source yeah 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 and I think just coming out of what Robin has just said it's it's very much accessibility in terms of knowledge and obviously we as a lot of people do see us as a point of reference as a resource that mm-hmm. they would rely on um, it's important for us to be conveying that information in an appropriate manner that is actually approachable rather than something that would actually rather drive people away because often at times when you do see resources it's a like 24 page pdf yeah. Yeah. on a white page and it talks about you know diversity yeah. like um reasonably enough like that's not accessible in our eyes in terms of the general public who in many cases I think even just looking at our audience within AAP even though we are our audience are 
specifically Asian Australians, mm. I think within the audience of Asian Australians, there are so many different people within there at different levels of understanding. Mm. So a lot, you've got people from, you know, you've got people from all walks of life, from people that are, you know, very, very well versed in their understanding. And I hate to use the word, but woke <laughs> in yeah. a sense of their understanding and, you know, their understanding in their cultures. Yeah. But you also have the people on the other end of the spectrum who are just getting started yeah. in their mm-hmm. journeys of actually discovering themselves and how they identify within their own cultures. And it's being able to kind of process that information and pack down pack it in a way that we can make it accessible to all yeah. in an easy, understandable way, whether it be through breaking it down texturally or mm-hmm. setting it into different formats. And I think visual plays such a big part in just making it easily yes. accessible and easy way, easy, yes. not only easy to look at, but just easy just to process for people yeah because i guess like there's a lot of people have intentions of doing good or wanting to learn and educate themselves but when they get to the resources if it's overwhelming it's a barrier to for them to take that next step exactly it can look very daunting especially if someone's just getting started and everything um you don't want people to seem like that they're gatekeeping resources Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. first and foremost there's also the um yeah like carrie said um, you'll have people from many walks of life, people from an academic background who are like very well versed into it. And yeah. we also do want to introduce to people that that they are welcome yes. to learn. Yeah. That there's always room for discussion because without discussion that I don't think change like meaningful change would yes. happen. Yeah. Um, how has the journey to where AP's brand now where how has that been? Like where was it before and where have you you both taken it. <laughs> yeah, I think it was very interesting because I joined AAP, I think, like mid-August last year. And mm-hmm. it, it was like a very, um, you know, obviously I approached it as any marketer would really um, in a situation where I came in and I just went, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> this um, needs to change. This needs to change. Um, no, but like I think I approached it in a way where, you know, as – I would any kind of client or any kind of, you know, project I would in my workplace and just breaking down, you know, doing a whole kind of audience segmentation, market market segmentation, a whole analysis of what AAP was. And I think what I drew from that is we don't know very much about what we actually are. And then I think what AAP was, it was a bit fragmented in what we really were. And so I think... I think a lot of people, not within just our team, but also I think even our audience, I think they really wanted us to kind of define ourselves a bit Mm because it often came to instances where people were asked, hey, so, oh, my God, it's great. You've got a not-for-profit. What do you do? And it got to a point where it was really difficult for us to summarise what AAP was within one sentence. And I think that uh, from a surface level point of view seemed like a bit not a problem, but it was a something that needed working on obviously yeah. and so I thought the solution what to that was very much in actually basically figuring out what we call a brand but very much figuring out what AP was in terms of identity in terms of an organization and really honing in on that and yeah and I think within the last year we've tried to really work on honing in on messaging as to literally being like 
who we are mm. and who our audience are and identifying those factors and having that translate across visually across our brand as well yeah. and trying to tie in it's as much as we do say like you know we have changed a lot visually and I know Rob can speak to this <laughs> with that and I know a lot of our audience can very much see that we've changed a lot but I think very much it is still we're still working on it and it's still yeah. very much a working process mm. for us yeah definitely I guess because I started um, AAP as a design associate near its inception. So I got like, it was actually on, um, I think you might remember Subtle Asian Traits, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> where um, the last president put out a call out for designers. And I was like, I put my hand up because that sounds like a great idea. Like, I'd like to contribute to something that was a hub for to uplift and like, I guess, celebrate Asian Australians as a community, but not just, say, East Asians in Australia as well, like just all Asians, South Asians, Southeast Asians, West Asians. Um, I feel like, yeah, as a design associate, I just really followed what the (laughs) design director back then um, just told me to do. I was just like, yep, I'll just do the grunt work. Um, Not really having much of a um, vision of, the larger picture so when I became design director there was like a lot of work that did need to be done visually in establishing some kind of cohesiveness to our brand Mm. and not just um I guess you'd say (laughs) not to not to bag on like just um I guess like PNC groups and things like that but like I love PNC groups but I guess you want some kind of uh, cohesiveness to your brand to establish that authority as well as just reliability mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that people can trust you on and have it not look as though you're just um, flinging resources here and there yeah um, so is that like what it was before like if you were to paint a picture of where it was before when you first started and then what it is now what would that kind of look like um I could agree with Carrie that it was um it did seem very fragmented yeah the point um still like decent graphics and everything but it didn't seem like it was its own brand yeah. to to use that kind of corporate language but it that's basically what it is yeah. like you you'd want to recognize the organization yes. that you'd want to support so yeah. i feel like we've definitely improved but i feel like there's still work to be done in terms yeah. of that yeah. Yeah, and I I do have to make a point. Like we are calling it a brand. Um, I think it's very commercial in the yeah. way we're talking yeah. about it. It is a brand, but at the same time, I think through this process, I guess we've kind of realized. Obviously, both Rob and I come from professional backgrounds where we do work on you know client to client or commercial projects. But I think as part of this kind of whole rebranding situation we've done it with AAP. I think it's actually really humbled us in a sense mm-hmm. where, you know, we as technically viable people in our own fields, we've tried to approach rebranding this not-for-profit in a way. But I think through the process, we've come to realise that we actually can't implement a lot of the, you know, the techniques and the ways in which we would lead our campaigns in our real lives in commercial realms into a not-for-profit space. Yeah. And like, cause to be honest, we're not exactly selling a pro- product. Yeah. We're not exactly selling a service. Mm-hmm. I think if anything, we're, you know, pushing forward a community yeah. 
And there is no guidebook out there as to how <laughs> yeah. do you sell a community. Yeah. And I right. think that's something that we've had to grapple with yeah. um, whilst working on this. And I think it's very much a learning process for us because there aren't many resources out there. And I think even within the commercial world, there aren't many resources out there that actually, you know, tell you or inform you as to how to outreach to communities, but also not only just communities, but I guess multicultural and diverse yeah. communities. That's something we're very much lacking in an industry. And I'm mm. sure Robin can tell you, <laughs> and I'm so sure yourselves can see that in your professional lives as well. But yeah, I think it's also very much in this whole branding process. It's a lot of learning and our own yeah. realms as well. We've had mm. to basically almost kind of start from scratch and approach in a way we're figuring out how to define not-for-profit really yeah I think it shows in the way that there isn't exactly a not-for-profit quite like Asian Australian project mm. so it, it's it's a whole different animal to um commercial and um I guess like I'd say just capitalist companies yeah. <laughs> basically yeah. um yeah with especially with um a lot of not-for-profits you see just the main ones around they're very specific in their I wouldn't say niches, but they're in their issues, in their drives and in their Mission. um, missions. Mm. Yeah. So to tackle something that is mainly just a generalized um, hub or like just a safe space for people to look towards is also a very like, I'd, I'd say it's an exciting challenge because mm. like number one, it, if we like do manage to, when we do manage to succeed, it'd be like I think pretty groundbreaking yeah. in its own right. What have you learned? So I know you Karen, you mentioned like a lot of learnings and you're kind of new to this space and like what were the biggest learnings from I guess your task of rebranding mm-hmm. a nonprofit? I think it's actually really hard to I think even though we didn't have a identified kind of brand in place people our audience have always defined us in a different way Mm. I think each an audience had a different way of defining us and I think it was like kind of challenging those kind of initial initial ideas and expectations of the brand was kind of really difficult for us because when you hear charity when you hear (laughs) not-for-profit you hear something Mm. that's really clinical some people expect some like heavy resources something that's really clinical really like Imagine stock images and, you know, yeah, the smile yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, smiling people. Yeah. That's kind of what you get. Yeah. And um, and then I guess we have, like, another set of audiences that purely see us as, like, you know, a cult community, you know, when it's mm. when it's more like, um, you know, when a bit like society-like. You yes. know how you had societies yeah, in high school? Yeah. A bit society-like. Yeah. A bit so, exclusive. Yeah, oh, ex- yeah. Bit exclusive. So I think it's trying to – I think – what we had to learn was, you know, being able to actually accept all those points of views and actually finding a way to actually reaching out to the community and understanding why they have that point of views and even learning from the community as to what it is. Because I think, like, our audience is so different. And yeah. like, I guess the only way to learn is by asking, really, because yeah. yeah. we can only assume so much. And I yeah. think even through my process of working on AAP, our assumptions are never always answered by, like, what the reality really is and yeah. I think just you know being able to reach out ask people to as to what they want and really trying to hone that in um I think that was a lot of a learning <laughs> process for us yeah just to 
even just throw our expectations out the window a bit. Because <laughs> yeah. as much as we'd be like, we'd like it to be A, B, C, D, um, it's not always going to be like that. And if anything, in the long run, it wouldn't be sustainable for any brand or any organization to run that way. So yeah. it was very much something that we had to really learn and actually tinker with along the process. And I think that's also what we had to learn is there is no kind of final iteration. Yeah. As much as we like for there to <laughs> yeah. be a final iteration, yeah. there is no final iteration. It's always something that I think we always have to ensure. I know Robin and I have made it so that the branding is supposed to be dynamic. It's supposed to be something that's constantly changing. It's never going to be in its final form, really. Because, mm -hmm. you know, as for the times, as for the different people, and as Asian Australian Project grows, we need to be able to change in a dynamic way yeah. and to actually be the one to set our foot down and be like, this, there is no final form to this brand. Yeah. I think that's something that we kind of had to learn in the process. Yeah, definitely. Um, being a, um, an organization that is meant to uplift and reflect the community, we have to change with the community. And as yeah. we know, culture is never static. <laughs> yeah. So if like, uh, one of our listeners was to go onto your page and obviously like on Instagram and on the website and have a look at all the branding. Like when I first saw it, I was like, damn, this is so cohesive and it's like very impactful because doing the socials for our podcast, I always find it like such a chore and it's such a big task, but also trying to accommodate for so many different like mediums. Like we're doing a podcast, but also like featuring our guests in their best line and all that kind of stuff. What are the aspects that make up your brand today? If you were to like summarize it. Aspects as in, well, I guess what we'd like to put across or like what we'd want our audience to see is that number one, we are inclusive. Number mm -hmm. two, that we are inviting and everyone is welcome. Yeah. Number three, that um, we hope to that people see us as a kind of authority on and not exactly champion, but um, a place that where their voices can be platformed. Yeah. Yeah. It's the challenges about um, translating that into a visual form, at least in yeah. the design. It's so hard, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there's also the fun in that as well, because like, I guess with social media and stuff, you'd think it is just a bit one dimensional, but there's um, so many different ways where you can really mix both like that kind of marketing style with design in order to reflect all these different sides of this prism, I mm, guess. Yeah. 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 I think it very much is something that is going to be ever growing. I think that's something mm. we're trying to put out there. It's something that's just going to be ever growing, ever changing, and hopefully is a reflection of the community. I think that's something what we do want. Cause I know, we do, like, as with any design, as with any project, as with any communications or marketing, there's an agenda behind it. <laughs> um, and then as much as we do want to be, like, strong visually and strong, you know, in our stance, we do want it to be kind of pervasive in a sense that we do want it to embody the community mm. in what we want. And I think even though we've gone a certain direction in our branding, um, it's going to very much be changing and dynamic yeah. in a way yeah which definitely goes against like what you were saying before about commercial brands once they decide on a brand that's what they stick with for a really yes. long time right yeah. Yeah. whereas this is the opposite where it's like 
you're changing with the time and it's very much driven by how the community grows as well. Yeah. And I think obviously, I guess, even with the nature of, you know, as you were saying, social media platforms, it being the biggest draw, I think it is, I think it's even part of our kind of accessibility move in actually making content accessible on a digital platform to people and bringing it to them in different methods in different ways. I think that's kind of prime and premise to our brand is it's like basically taking the one thing and seeing how many ways we can actually get that out there to people because you know not all like people are receptive to things in different ways and Mm. it's basically trying to engage people on every different level that we can. So with all the work that you've done so far like how has that helped propel AAP's mission? Um, I guess um, from an external point of view, first thing I'd say is probably the visual branding, our identity in within the community. Um, I I do like to feel like we've established a, a community through like, I mean, you can say that you can only do so much with design and everything, but um, I feel like making our social media and our visual assets all the more engaging really does um, allow people to just generate a lot more discussion within themselves and like just make that impactful change yeah Yeah. I think I'm going to take this from a more internal point of view but I think I think since I've joined in this last year I think we have changed a lot Robin you could probably testify to how much we have changed I think AAP initially I think we were out then trying to be advocates for certain topics Mm. but I think it was always very surface level and then I think part of me coming in, I'd say I thought there was so much more potential behind, you know, we were there to tell people's stories, but you know, we can make it all the more so more genuine and telling the real stories rather than what people wanted to hear. Mm. And then so I think one of the things that I did when I came in, this isn't like absolutely not professional in terms of marketing strategy, but I just wanted to be controversial. That's really (laughs) what it is because I know a lot of people were just, here's the topic, but we talk around the topic rather than actually addressing it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that I really tried to grill in as part of our messaging and our marketing (laughs) that, you know, why would we talk around the topic when we can address it accordingly? And I think that within that kind of shift in the way we're talking as a community and as an organisation, shifting to actually being able to talk to more stories in a more genuine way, mm. I think that element of our branding has really kind of sent our trajectory in a completely <laughs> different direction. But I feel like it's very much something that's defined who we are right now because I know purely from what we've received from our audience they very much have been more receptive to these kind of things if anything there's more expectation for us to bring more controversial stories or to really actually hone in on like different perspectives on like normal issues because we can always talk about media representation but there's only so many ways you can talk about it without you know and just glossing over the surface when you can actually really be deep diving down and yeah. actually interrogating the topic. Yeah. Can you give us an example of like one of those topics that you mentioned? Oh gosh, I've gone through so many. <laughs> oh gosh. What your favorite? To start with. Yeah. I guess um, one of my favorites, it's not even to me anyway, It's it still seems very tame. Like um, uh, allowing our writers to address their own personal um, 
relationships with things such as mental illness. Mm -hmm. One of our writers, um, I believe Lena, wrote a beautiful piece on her own uh, eating disorder mm -hmm. and everything. I feel like that kind of not just representation, but that kind of solid, I guess, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say deep dive as well. I don't, otherwise, I'll keep saying that phrase. For ages. <laughs> yeah, I think it was very it's, raw in its it approach was raw, and unfiltered, definitely. which yeah. I know sometimes I think a lot of, I guess, organizations or a lot of people, when they do tell these stories, it tends to be very filtered out. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. In order to, I guess, protect the audience in some sense. But I feel yeah. like. Generalized terms rather than from a personal, real experience. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's just about being genuine, not that our brand or our like organization was resistant to that at, mm -hmm. at the beginning. It's just that we had never really thought about it. Mm -hmm. We were just kind of going with the flow or trend of what other not-for-profits right. were putting out yeah. there. Yeah. And we didn't think to just swerve in a <laughs> completely <laughs> different direction, but it's definitely made us all much more intimate with the causes that mm -hmm. we wanted both advocate for and platform, but, also just um, like attract that kind of community that we want to see yeah. around us. Yeah. 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 And I think, uh, well, my personal one would actually be the last, look, one of the posts in our recent um, political series. Mm. Um, yes. <laughs> I agree. Um, I think I know Michelle, um, she's taken a writer's stance for one of the articles in which she's basically done the whole breakdown as to like the history of Australian politics but in its racism form and like you know racism within politics and I think it was broken down in a really good way I don't know I, we titled it <laughs> I think the title came down to a lot of like people and questions when we got a couple of comments and DMs sent to us being like what the hell is this this is like this is not right this is rude but like you have to tell it as it is I think the title ended up being like Racism has a colour and it's white. Right. And it did ruffle a lot of feathers. Yeah. And I think there were actually talks prior to even releasing this article between Michelle and myself in which we were like, oh, we can probably tone it down a bit. But I was just like, me on my end, <laughs> knowing the, knowing our audience, I'm like, no, you have to give it as it is. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, that's the reality of it. You know, racism is white. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. we can't really sugarcoat that, especially in with in this country yeah. with its um historical roots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I think that in itself, it's like rather than talking about obviously as part of our series, we did talk about people within, you know, within politics and to celebrate that. But also, it's not only just celebrating what is good, but also acknowledging, yeah. you know. What, where it's gone bad and what where the pain points are and I, I think that's part of what we want to do when we're trying to telling tell stories to tell the, in all elements of it and try to encapsulate as much of the greater story yeah there is out there really yeah yeah we we do want to focus a lot on the good but there is an undeniable like bad in yeah. which like that's that's the entire reason why we have um, not-for-profit organizations yeah. such as Asian Australian yeah. Project, we're, we're born out of the bad. Mm. And if we don't keep addressing that, then really what is the point? Yeah, yeah. If you don't talk about it, you're ignoring it, basically. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So obviously, like, shining a spotlight on these stories because they're so raw and they're so honest, like, how do you currently do that? What are the mediums that you use to 
shine a spotlight on it. Yeah, I think a lot of it is just taking it down. Obviously, social media, our social media platforms are our prime. If anything, it is our kind of main kind of outward kind of platform for people to receive the messaging. Just because I think the demographics we are targeting are, I guess, young Asian Australians who are like out there to just consume (laughs) really just to consume content and and learn yeah and pretty much to learn and to be like I think as part of our kind of marketing strategy if we really wanted to put it like that is to really just bring the information where the people are at and deliver it to them where they are at because um as much as it's good for us to you know write an essay put it on our website and hope that people would read I think it's rather just taking that kind of elements and taking those stories and actually shaping it in a way that's actually accessible and easily easily consumable mm-hmm. by the audience really and just popping it in their daily lives <laughs> as they're scrolling yeah. through Instagram yeah. and Facebook that's yeah. really what it is yeah we um I guess our way of presenting information to audiences is that you don't need to be like an arts or history major in order to participate in the discourse that is like Mm. just the experience of being Asian Australian if you're Asian Australian your opinion is valid yeah and I think it's the beauty and nature of having on these social platforms it is very much a two-way interaction it's rather than us just being that point of authority and just saying this is how it is we have in our comment section people talking to us or people DMing us, telling us their responses to these things. And I think the whole point of us putting out the content there is for it to be a conversation starter, really, mm. rather than it being a one-way trajectory, like one-way kind of passage in which we're feeding information out there and it's not just, you know, being received. It's something that's actually causing discourse and causing, you know, open discussions about these topics. Yeah, and... I feel like we as an organization do take feedback very seriously mm, as yeah. well. I mean, as long as it is genuine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's it's part of what has helped us to grow really because, you know, um, in knowing what people and having these conversations with people, it allows us to even shift the way in which we are putting out future content as well. And and I think in I think in a lot of our resource posts, I know especially a lot of our Post regarding First Nation content. So mm-hmm. a lot of the I know in Australia they we put forward the how to talk to your um how to talk to your Asian parents about yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that yeah, yeah. what was yeah. it again how to talk to your Asian parents about like conversations about January the twenty sixth yeah you know and I think within like even though we had put forward translations of these it became an almost communal thing within the comment yeah, section yeah. where people giving their own takes about things. Mm. And even like, you know, people even, you know, putting forward like, hey, this is probably the more appropriate way right. to talk about, you know, yeah. the more appropriate way to translate this or more appropriate way to, you know, be able to relay across this information. And I think through that, we ourselves have been able to learn the process and, you know, actually grow with the community yeah. as well. Yeah, and it's just so heartwarming to see people in the comments, our community, just engaging and, like, offering us advice as well because yeah. we're, we're learning as much as they are in yeah. this yeah. process. I think it just shows that you've, like, created a really safe space where people feel like they can offer their opinion and it's accessible and open. They're able to talk about it as well. Um, and I feel like it's in the DNA of AAP, like, 
community is so important. So like you said, it is a two-way conversation, not a, you know, business to person. It's like two parties trying to talk to each other or multiple parties talking to each other. Um, now that you've kind of built the foundation of AAP, like where do you want to see it go next? Oh, oh gosh, gosh. There's so many. <laughs> I, I think this like there is like so many places we can take yeah. this honestly, and I think it is like in any kind of other circumstance, not having a clue as to where you're yeah. going is probably like the worst plan to have. <laughs> yeah. But I think for us, it's probably even in some circumstance the best possibility for mm-hmm. us. The fact that we've opened up so many different opportunities and different pathways that we yeah. can take AAP is something that we pride ourselves on. <laughs> but at the yeah. same time, it is very daunting in a sense that there, there does come to a time where we have to sit down and be like, which direction do we have to take this? Yeah. Um, I, as much as like it probably does not answer your question, I think very much it is like it is in the air as to where if you can go from this. But we can only grow in so many ways, um, whether it be through, you know, touching base more in the community or going more grassroots in terms of our approach. You know, there is so many ways we can take this. And I think, yeah, I think even we're excited to see where we take this. Um, As much as we'd like to be like, we've got a 10-year plan. (laughs) Um, It's, it's, yeah, it's, that's kind of where we're going. Yeah, I agree. Like the only thing that I like, basically set on is our both our like organization growing so that we have more capacity to bring more resources Mm -hmm. in because like at the rate where we were like such as um I guess um our translation resources and everything it's like it's never going to be perfect because (laughs) of the lack of reason not the lack of resources that we have but the lack of capacity that we'll have uh, Mm -hmm. and just we just do want to garner a larger community so that we can just I guess grow at a not a faster capacity but <laughs> um, like scale. Just, yeah on yeah. a larger scale um where more people will feel safer out the space yeah. safe space will like just enlarge to encapsulate not just social media but our websites and in-person events as well mm-hmm. yeah yeah I think yeah we just I think if we really wanted to hone it down as to where we want to go, I think just to be able to tell, have a greater community and be able to tell more stories of the community, yeah. more stories that are representative of the community. Because I know we very much acknowledge, I think we are privileged in some sense that everyone, I think a lot of people within AAP do come from many different walks of life and many different backgrounds. And we do pride ourselves in acknowledging that we are a lot more diverse than some mm-hmm. other Asian Australian organizations out there which do tend to be leaning more towards East Asian conversations but I think we can only diversify from here yeah yeah and that's where we really want to go yeah I think it's just having like a growth mindset like we saw it in our episode with Michelle she was just saying like having the growth mindset to like just broaden your horizons but also like what you were saying the backbone of it is really just to tell stories and to bring that into the spotlight just looking more like individualistically, I think, um, reflecting on when you first joined AAP and where you are now, like how have you grown as designers? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess, um, oh, it's been such a huge learning curve for me because as an individual designer myself, I'm so used to just working on my own. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that is, um, uh, I'm still working through it, mm. but um, it's been 
like such an honor to work with the designers like in my team as well it's they allowed me to like let loose and everything especially within the rebranding and everything a lot of the work was from them and it's just so great to see all their different ideas just come to life as well and just like a bit of like parts of them are put into like our identity now and like I think that's pretty beautiful in itself um mostly yeah it's there's a lot of learning that I've had to do especially with figuring out our identity like visually working with people as well as directing people it's um I guess I'd say it's similar to like the designers being like the ship and me just having to steer them Mm -hmm. in the right direction because I really don't feel like I'm like a leader of sorts Mm -hmm. as well I'm like still very much a colleague with them but yeah Mm -hmm. I just really love that um, experience of working with that team yeah um I myself feel like I have definitely grown a lot (laughs) I've definitely grown a lot not only in my professional sense but also I guess within people to people sense because as Robin said we do take on kind of leadership roles and it is it is more than just about putting forward a pretty picture on Instagram and Facebook it is about managing expectations it is about understanding and it's about being open to hearing of not just like our audience's receptions to things but also internally within that within our teams and I think I'm very much the same and very very privileged in having a team of associates that do work with me and not all of them actually come from exclusively marketing backgrounds mm. and I think if anything I've learned more from them than they've probably learned from me <laughs> um, yeah. but even just you know being able to learn like like even just hear their opinions and have different kind of you know conversations about different perspectives about different things I think that's so much more enriching of like a workspace for us in being able to develop AAP and I think I guess in terms of my like own personal and professional life I think AAP has really changed me in a way that I even in my professional life do learn how to interrogate things a lot right. more in terms of being able to actively push for accessibility mm-hmm. and being able to actively push for more diversity yeah. in our content and even my own like workplace right now it's been a huge conversation um but even just being able to engage in those conversations and push that forward into discussion where it might have not been considered before is something I I'm very much thinking people (laughs) in terms of my own growth yeah 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 I think that being said as well we are like responsible for our teams as well like with um like Carrie said like not everyone is specifically from either a marketing background or a design background so we do want to be able to be that hub to like upskill like advocate for Mm -hmm. like individuals on their own as well and just be able to like even if they're not planning on um doing design as a career or anything it's like I still love to have them like they they can they still contribute so much to the team yeah yeah how do you both balance work inside AAP and kind of everything else you do outside of AAP as well (laughs) what does your (laughs) week look like I love that you guys are laughing (laughs) I think I think think that says a lot yeah we're still a very young organization so we are still in the midst of balancing that for ourselves but um it hasn't burnt me out as like 
much as I felt because I've been here since the ne nearly the beginning right. mm -hmm. and it's just been the norm for me yeah. now it's mm -hmm. it's like another yet another like social hub for me as right. well because mm -hmm. I'll always have these people like they are like friends yeah and everything much more than colleagues now so it's I don't know I it's not not necessarily that um love what you do so you'll never work a day in your life mm -hmm. because it is still definitely work and it yeah. is still very stressful but as mm -hmm. long as you have that team to support mm -hmm. you it's it's worked out for me yeah yeah i mean i, I would love to say it's sunshine and butterflies <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah it is i think the we do love doing what we do yeah and I think that's pretty much why we're all here. But I think uh, it very much takes a lot of de dedication. Yeah. Yeah. We're really passionate in what we do. Because the reality of it is it's not as glamorous as you think. Because yeah. often us, all, I think a lot of us, if not all of us in our team, are either full-time workers, yeah. got full-time jobs, or um, full-time in university studying. And obviously we've got our own lives outside of AAP from like nine to five. Yeah. Then the reality of it is we handle AAP meetings at night from like seven, sometimes they go to 10 yeah. p.m. at night. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have weekly meetings as well mm -hmm. just to, with our teams to consolidate everything. And I think even uh, I know Robin and myself, we're in management, so we have a different level of ac accountability, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And it's just very much kind of learning how to navigate that. And obviously, like, you know, it takes passion. It takes time. Yeah. And it's being willing to actually put forward that time, you know, even if it's after hours to really just to get to push this through. Yeah. It's a satisfaction of knowing that you've made something that's impacted others in good in a good way. Mm, that yeah. just really keeps us going, I think. Yeah. And doesn't matter like how long these meetings you take, you know. At the end of the day, we know that we can make a dish, like the difference within the community, and that's just really what drives us through with it. Yeah, yeah. What would you say is the best thing about being a part of AAP? Ooh, best thing. Oh, best <laughs> thing. Gosh, I don't know. I, I I just have to say the community. Like yeah. I've met mm -hmm. so many wonderful people around, and like knowing that everyone here wants to drive that that meaningful change mm. in like the Asian Australian community is very humbling to me. Mm. And yeah, and I think through just even ourselves, just being able to reach out to other people within the community, being able to learn so much more. I think even myself within AAPA, I have met so many people, <laughs> so many new people and even yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> As part of that, I think it's very much, you know, something that we can build on and just, you know, be able to, you know, share the words, share the love and just really grow the community as it is. That's something we're very prideful of. And I think that's the best thing we can take home from it. Yeah, I feel like if I didn't join AAP, I wouldn't have as much opportunities to do the things that I've done. And that I'm for that, I'm really thankful for. Mm. Yeah. Um, what would your advice be for someone who's in the design industry or the marketing industry who wants to make an impact? in part of a non-profit or you know design for advocacy like what would your advice be where can they start <laughs> i think it's don't be afraid to rock the boat because mm, yeah. i personally coming from a design background prior to joining marketing it very much i know designers do tend to take on a bit more of a passive role within not mm. only their workplaces but like just in general mm. in that they're it's it's more so a structural thing where they're at the like 
bottom of the chain right. in terms of the work process. Yeah. But I think I think where I found and some people might hate this advice, but where I found it works is to really be able to interrogate things and really be able to push forward your opinions and not be afraid to say what's what's not right and what you think isn't working. Because if anything, that that's where I found I've gotten most growth in my career mm-hmm. as a designer mm-hmm. and as like a marketing professional mm-hmm. is being able to put forward and rather than accepting what's been given to me, actually being able to put forth and say, no, this won't work. Yeah. <laughs> or no, this colour of pink isn't going to work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but actually being able to put your foot down and being able to have yourself. And I guess a lot of times people, you know, lose themselves within like, you know, I'm designing for a company, I'm designing for a brand. You're obviously restricted by the constraints within your workplace and within the brief you're working on. But I feel like also making sure that you yourself are able to install a part of yourself within that work. Yeah. Mm-hmm, I think that's something that has really helped me through my journey. Mm, yeah, there's that um, traditional and um, usually capitalist um kind of I guess viewpoint that designers need that kind of invisibility around them because design is so ubiquitous Mm -hmm. you don't really know of quote-unquote famous designers as opposed to famous fine artists famous economists famous lawyers etc but um really my advice to that is just put yourself out there like mm-hmm. make that name for yourself no matter what you're making make it you don't even need a personal brand mm-hmm. as long as you can make what you love experiment mm-hmm. like that's that's what's gotten me like and even just reaching out to other creatives that's mm-hmm. what's gotten me so many jobs just on my own and from that I just grew with just um just word of mouth yeah. Yeah. even like you don't even really need to focus too much on social media like if you need to there's no specific textbook way in order to get yourself out there Mm. if you're just starting Mm. the most important step is the first one yeah yeah I think as designers or being in the design industry we have this impression that we need to have a beautiful portfolio to get out there but I think inherently what it comes down to is like what do you want to work on that's like I guess in line with your passions and with with your values so that you can actually make a difference. I think that's what I've taken away from today's conversation. Um, In terms of AAP overall, what do you want to kind of see next for the organisation? Oh, I want like a lot more (laughs) just uh, in-person events just because um, coming from Melbourne (laughs) with many lockdowns, I've really missed that social aspect. I, I really want us to be able to reach a much wider community and for more Asian Australians, even those who aren't Asian Australians, yeah. because obviously mm-hmm. we live in such a multicultural society. There are so many um, different multicultural families out mm-hmm. there as well. We want them to feel as much as welcome as we do just the Asian Australian youths yeah. who do um, frequent our social media and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love how you say youths. Youth. It's like it's like I'm with the kids. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. is me. That is me right now. What's up, fellow kids? <laughs> yeah, I think if we I, I think um my my main kind of 
hope for AAPs to grow it so that it is something that people can fall back on. And I think build it up to a point where people feel like they're comfortable and actually look for AAP, for resources and for what they need in being able to support people in the community. And I think that's what, you know, hopefully we will be able to achieve within the near future. And yeah. Yeah, nice. I think that's a um, really nice spot to kind of wrap up the conversation. We normally end our episodes with dinner table questions. So what these are, like these fun kind of quick fire questions that we ask you. Um, So the first one is, what are you currently obsessed with? Oh my gosh, I think I'm putting this out, but like (laughs) shamelessly turtle chips. Oh, I love turtle chips. (laughs) That's so good. I guilty. guilty. Which flavour? Oh, the choco churros. Oh, you okay. like that as well? I love well, controversial. I, controversial. <laughs> That's right. right. I hate it. Really? You know what? It's too sweet. I, because I've got a sweet tooth. Yeah. That might explain it. But yeah. no, I, I, I was in a part, I was in a boat of like, this is weird yeah. at first. But then it comes a time, it might it might have been just external influence, honestly, because <laughs> it was like at a time, it was like 3 p.m. at work. I was <laughs> on a Friday afternoon. I was just completely out of it. The turtle chips, the bag of cherished turtle <laughs> chips look like an absolute beaming just bag <laughs> of just holiness. And then you know what? I think... I, I think back to that time wow. every now and then. <laughs> it really came through. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh and gosh. I think it, it, it made such a huge impact on me. Oh I mean, obviously, it's probably oh. based on circumstance, but you know what? I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take that for you. Oh, my gosh. Mine is so different. <laughs> I've been reading Tom Harris's um, Hannibal series. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, just because it's a spooky season and yeah. all that. I just finished um red dragon if you're squeamish i don't recommend you read it but (laughs) it's just it's just been very nice just reading while like there's a sound of rain pattering on your roof and everything it's just um me trying to get back into that slow living mode because being a graphic designer my life is spent 80 percent in front of the screen and i really need to rectify that yeah no i definitely agree um what do you love about being a designer and on the other end, what do you hate about it? Oh, it's too many. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think it's easier to say hate. <laughs> but like, I know, it's like a, it's a love-hate relationship yeah. with everything though. It so is. like things like pixel pushing. <laughs> oh, I was yeah. going to say pixel pushing. <laughs> Can you explain what pixel pushing is for non-designers? Oh, so pixel pushing is like when you are trying to shift something across by literally oh, one see, yeah. tiny yeah. pixel. Yeah. And if it's not aligned by one tiny pixel, you won't get that satisfaction. Gotcha. Yeah, and it's very, like people will say, oh, people won't notice one pixel. The designers will yeah. notice one pixel. Yeah. They really will. But there is the satisfaction of... Um, I guess the design community is like really popping off right now, especially yes. in the online and streaming spaces. It's It's been very great just to see just the, I guess, diversity of designs that you can create from just the one prompt. I, yeah. I really love, that's that's what I love about design, if, especially if you design for yourself, even if it's just like a fake client. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can always generate different prompts for that. There's always that... Um, fun and just 
I guess no no specific deadlines, yeah. but you want to create just for the passion of it. That's yeah. I think that's what drove us both to design in the first place. It's that kind of creativity where it's not as I guess as our parents say, <laughs> as I I guess risky as like fine arts or illustration. Although like a lot of my graphic design is based in illustration anyway. Yeah. It's that nice little like happy medium. Yeah, happy medium. <laughs> I'd I'd call it that. Yeah. Oh, what I hate though. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, the amount of times Adobe has crashed on me. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, it's rough. It's, yeah, it's Store even with space. autosave. Even I, with no, autosave. I, think, I think you just, there's a point as a designer, like it's like 2 a.m. in the morning, you're in a dark room. <laughs> the only thing that's like is your screen in front of you and Adobe just wheel of death crashes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And rather than complaining, I don't know if you guys get this feeling, but like rather than complaining, you just accept it. Yeah, you just have a moment where you like pause for a second, and you, there's no complaint. You just reopen it back up and redo yeah. everything you've done in the past hour yeah. again. Yeah, it's just another Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, we've come yeah. to accept yeah. that. Yeah, it's a reality of it, our lives. <laughs> it is. It is. Cool. Um, last question: What is something that you're known for personally? Gosh. I think this is a better question for my friends and people around me. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, you can answer for each other. <laughs> oh. Let's see. Carrie talks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. Right. I really love it. Yeah. Like just because as as you've probably seen, I don't tend to talk as much. But it's it's always nice to have someone always giving us like different opinions mm. ideas just generating that talk just getting the ball moving and everything I feel like that's she's been such a like pillar for this organization in terms of that change oh I love that <laughs> <laughs> I love it started as a semi-insult I think what makes Robin really great, it's great because she gets me on this. Like, they've got such great attention to detail. Yeah. It's so weird. <laughs> Sometimes when we come to each other, the most mundane things, it's just like, can we shift the text across by, like, tiny, it's like two pixels? Like, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that's what makes Robin great. And I think they're so diverse yeah. in the way that they really – create things and that's what I love mm. oh <laughs> gross you both just alright alright well thank you both of you for joining our episode today so the second episode of our series APP please stay tuned for more to come as always, if anyone has any questions, slide into our DMs, reach out to AOP if you have any questions. If you both have portfolios, we can put them in the um, show notes. Yeah. But again, thank you for joining us. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 <laughs>